All right, if you take your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Mark's Gospel. Matthew, Mark, the second, second Gospel there in uh, the New Testament. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 6. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 6. And this morning we're going to read uh, and pay attention to verses 45 through 52. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 6. Let's begin reading with verse number 45. Speaking of Jesus here, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. And they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them in the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. We see an, an example here of our Lord sending his disciples into kind of a troubling scenario. It ended up being that way uh, initially, but of course when the Lord showed up on the scene, things uh, became okay. But many times in our lives, even as children of God, there may be some sort of contrary winds. Okay? We see some contrary winds here that are spoke, sp- spoken of. And we may see some in this life that blow against us that we have to deal with. Understand that as believers, none of us are exempt from contrary winds that might come our way. And the trials of this life, I want you to understand that the Lord wants to use them in our lives to teach us lessons of faith. Now, if you're not careful, Satan will take those same things and he'll try to get you to turn on God. And say, well, why did God? Why did God allow this to happen? You know, I I just don't understand. Well, understand that you don't understand, but God knows exactly what He's doing. And I want us to see here uh, how the Lord used this time to grow His disciples in their faith to to help them later on down the road when He was going to to, to no longer be here. Uh, they were going to have to have great faith to to do what we see in the Book of Acts and. It took uh, instances such as this to grow their faith in the Lord. Now understand that some contrary winds may come our way in the form of some sort of physical trial that we may face in this life. Sometimes it's an illness. Sometimes it may be financial problems. Or it could be a literal storm like the folks experienced down south of us. That we were blessed to be able to escape that in the greater part of it. It might be a, some other natural disaster, maybe not a hurricane, but it could be tornadoes, floods, fires, etc. We're not exempt from those trials. And those physical trials can come our way 
Uh, but understand that God even can use those difficult times in our lives. Some of these contrary winds may come our way in the form of some sort of emotional trials that we may face in this life. And this might include the loss of a loved one. You know, when, when a loved one go home, goes home to be with the Lord, it, it's nice when they know the Lord and you know where they're at, but still, our hearts need to be comforted, don't they? I mean, because we miss our loved one. We like, we like having them around. And so, you know, sometimes those contrary winds may blow uh, with the, the loss of a loved one through death, or it could be pressures from family problems, or it could be some other emotional trial that I've not mentioned. Some of these contrary winds may be in the form of some sort of spiritual trials that we may face in this life. Maybe some great temptation comes our way, crosses our path, and we, or we find ourselves having to deal with persecution because of our stand for the Lord. You know, we stand strong for Him, and, and, and the Bible actually promises that if, if you are, are going, to, uh, if you aren't going to do things for the Lord, you're going to suffer some persecution. Just, just, uh, just uh, count on it, okay? Um, it may come in the form of doubts as other trials set in, or it could be some other spiritual trial. But understand also that contrary winds may be in the form of any combination of these. And that's when it gets tough. When you're dealing with not just one trial, but multiple trials at one, one time. And you think, you know, uh, it feels like, feels like I'm being piled on, you know, uh, what, what's happening. And, but understand that the Lord is aware of everything that comes our way. And what we need to understand is that the Lord can use these times in those of us who are His children to grow us or mature us in our faith. Now, if you don't belong to the Lord, the Lord can use times such as that to, to get you to begin to look to Him. Amen. To get your attention. Uh, sometimes I, I have told folks who were away from the Lord, I say, what has God got to do to get your attention, to get you back to Him? You know, because I've seen it in my 25-plus uh, years of, of, uh, uh, of pastoring, how that uh, the Lord sometimes allows contrary winds to come to get folks to snap out of the, the sin in their life and to get back to Him. Or maybe they uh, don't know Him at all. And he uses that to, for them to understand, hey, I could have died there. I need to know the Lord. And they'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But listen, I mentioned again, Satan is the master of deceit. And he endeavors to use those things for an occasion for the child of God to become discouraged, downcast, and defeated. So the story we find here in Mark's gospel account should be encouraging to us as believers because it shows the faithful watch care and the loving concern of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the midst of whatever contrary winds of this life that we may be going through. First thing I want you to notice this morning, notice that this trial came into the lives of those closest to the Lord. This came into the lives of the disciples. Uh, we expect these things maybe to come into the lives of the wicked, and many times they don't. Uh, last Sunday night in the message, we shared Psalm 73. I'm not going to turn over there again to that psalm, but the psalmist Asaph was puzzled about this, how that folks that are anti-God and uh, how it seems like they prosper. And, you know, he was trying to serve the Lord and seemed like the, he, he, all he had was contrary winds coming his way. And he was wondering about that thing until he understood their end. When he saw that God is going to judge in the end, 
Uh, and uh, we need to understand that even though we may expect things to come in the lives of the wicked and, and they don't, uh, you know, that's not our concern. That's all on the Lord. I say again, the child of God is not exempt from the trials, tribulations, and temptations of this life. Some, erroneously, will tell you that with salvation comes automatic deliverance with regard to health. And uh, when you take a look at the Scripture, though, you'll find that that is not true. You look in the, in the Bible, you see the lives of Job, uh, who suffered uh, great loss, and even while he was serving the Lord. You see the Apostle Paul. Even after he got saved and was serving the Lord and following the Lord's will for his life, again, he, he went through many, uh, many trials in his life and many others that we could talk, speak of this morning to refute that. Others erroneously say that with salvation comes automatic deliverance with regard to wealth. They say if you're poor, then you just need to trust the Lord and the Lord will make sure that you get wealthy. That is not the way that the Bible speaks. There are many, this is refuted by many examples in Scripture as well. Whenever you hear somebody say things like that, they don't know their Bible very well. Uh, the, the Bible shows us that those things are not true. And some others even erroneously say that with salvation comes automatic deliverance with regard to our adversaries. And we, again, only need to look at the lives of many in the Word of God, such as David, uh, even when he was trying to follow the Lord and he knew he was going to the next king of Israel, uh, he had to escape from the hand of Saul. Uh, he had other enemies that, that uh, hounded him. Uh, the, the Lord did, in the end, bring him to the, the throne. But it was not without some, some trials there. Uh, we've already talked about Paul, but there's also Peter and James and John, as well as the other apostles. That would, uh, if you were to say, well, you know, when you got saved, God took away all your adversaries. No, no, no. Multiplied my adversaries. Amen. You have folks that will try to come against you for that. Now, the truth of the matter is that salvation and even godly living does not exempt any believer from the trials, tribulations, and temptations in this life. And anybody to give folks uh, that kind of advice, you know, that, that those things are taken away, uh, they're, they're wrong in giving you false hopes in those areas. So this trial came into the lives of those closest to the Lord. Second thing I want us to notice in verses 32 through 44, notice that this trial came into these disciples' lives just after a spiritual peak. Now I'm not going to read verse 32 through 44, I'm just going to tell you, what happened there? This came right after Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus. And I want you to think about that. Uh, you think the disciples were amazed and in and, and awe of what the Lord Jesus Christ did? I mean, after all, they're the ones that had the baskets going around collecting, collecting up the fragments, and uh, the fragments uh, were, were a lot. Amen. And uh, what a wonderful thing to be involved in. That, and that was a kind of a spiritual high. Uh, to feed the 5,000 plus with five loaves and two fishes. Now, there's some other examples in Scripture of folks that uh, uh, had trials right after a spiritual peak. Uh, Abraham. Think about Abraham. Abraham was told by the Lord, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you to a land. I just want you, I want you to get up and, and travel, and I'm going to give you a land, uh, and I'll tell you when you get there. And he got to the land. 
And the Lord uh, brought him there, and he saw the land that the Lord was going to give him. And, and Abraham, though, faced a famine in the land right after being obedient to God. I mean, he did everything God told him to do, was obedient to the Lord. And then a famine came, and did he go to the Lord and ask the Lord what the deal was? No, he, he fled to Egypt. Okay? We don't always do what we need to do, do we? We, we don't. And uh, he got in a little bit of trouble in Egypt. But he made his way back to the land. Uh, but what I want us to see there, though, is that, uh, you know, sometimes when we are on the top of the a spiritual mountain peak, uh, uh, some of these things can come into our lives. You think about Peter and John. They were brought before the council and threatened shortly after Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Remember what happened then? 3,000 people got saved. Remember that? I mean, he preached, 3,000 folks got saved, and the next, next day they're, they're going to the, to the temple, and, and uh, uh, they healed a lame man at the gate by the temple. Uh, you, you think that was a, a, a great experience? I'm sure it was. Spiritual peak. Well, what happened then? Same thing happened to Jesus that we talked about last week. Pharisees came after him. They brought him before the council. and said, you're not so speaking his name anymore. What Jesus had said, told them that, you know, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And so uh, we know that uh, they, they had to deal with that even though they were his disciples and even though they were at a spiritual peak. Third thing, found there in verse 45, notice that this trial came into the lives, their lives as they were doing the Master's will. These guys weren't out of the will of God. Look at verse 45. Now, it says, and straightway he, that's, that he is referring to Jesus, he constrained, you see that word, constrained? He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Now, I'm sure these guys were wanting Jesus to come along for the ride uh, and to, to be with them as they went across. But that word, that is used there, um, constrain means compel. He basically said, no, you guys go on, I told you now. Go, go, go on to the other side. I'll see you a little bit later. So many times, you know, people are quick to judge someone's misfortune as the chastisement or judgment of God. Don't we get that way you know, as people? And that's the way our flesh thinks a lot of times. But, and sometimes that is so. When you take a look at Jonah... The things that happened to him when he was out on the sea uh, with those other uh, sailors and he was trying to go uh, in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go, well, you know, that storm that came in his life was because of his disobedience. Uh, he knew that, you know, and that's, that's the key there. He knew that. And, but sometimes that's not so. We know that Job's friends, Job's, Job's friends thought that he was, uh, he was just wicked and God was bringing all this stuff down, down on him you know, he lost all of his wealth, he lost his health, he lost his kids. They were saying, you know, you just got some hidden sin in your life. Well, you know, that wasn't for them to, to, to uh, 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 judge. That was for Job to think about. And Job knew that he was serving God, knew that his heart followed after the Lord. And Job's friends were wrong. So sometimes it can be so, sometimes it's not. But that's, not, that's, that's up for the person that it's going through those trials to determine in their own life whether that is 
coming from the Lord as a matter of chastisement or judgment or whether it's coming as a matter of uh, building our faith. You know, uh, the Lord builds our faith uh, through these things. Many times, some of the most difficult trials come in the midst uh, of, of you trying to do God's will. I mean, when you try to serve the Lord, yeah, there's, some, there's some, uh, some trials that will come your way. The disciples here were only trying to do what Christ, Christ had pretty much commanded them to do there in verse 45. He compelled them, which means he compelled them, forced them, or stressed for them to go to the other side. Now, as we try to do God's will, understand that we are subject to face contrary winds. Uh, in fact, with godly living, after salvation, there is sure to be persecution. Paul told Timothy that in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if, you, if you're trying to live for Jesus... You know, don't be surprised that uh, when you have some trials that might come your way in the form of persecution. Jesus had told his disciples early on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 10 through 12, he says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So let's understand that the, um, this trial came into these disciples' lives as they were trying to do the Master's will. Here's the fourth thing. Notice that the Lord Jesus sent his followers into this time of trial. He literally sent them into the time of trial. Do you, do you believe that Jesus knew the storm was going to come up? He's God. God in the flesh. He, it didn't catch him by surprise. He knew. He knew he was sending them into a storm. And uh, Jesus was very aware that the contrary winds would arise because he's the all-knowing God, and he allowed it to happen. Uh, Jesus sent them into the contrary winds anyway, and understand that he did this to prepare them for higher service that he had prepared for them. They, they were going to have, a, have, have to have a whole lot of patience going through contrary winds when it got to him leaving this earth and them going through the, uh, 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 trying to get the gospel to a world in need of Christ. And as they ministered after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, those contrary winds would blow. But he was developing their faith during this time. It was important. Understand that Jesus knows beforehand the contrary winds that will confront us as we do that which he sends us to do. And Jesus sends us into the contrary winds anyway, and he does that to teach us vital lessons of faith. Teach us that we need to lean on Jesus. We need to look for Jesus, trust Jesus in the things that we are, are going through. The Lord not only teaches us vital lessons of faith, but he also prepares us for higher service in his cause. When, you're, when your faith is strengthened, you think you become a better servant of God? You most certainly do. Amen. Now, we don't like it when we're going through those times, but we got to understand that you know, after those times, can you look back on some things that you went through that it built your faith up? I can. 
and, and, and we need to look and say, look back and, and thank the Lord. Lord, I, I couldn't thank, I, I probably should have th- uh, thanked you while I was going through those trials, but they were so heavy I, I wasn't thanking you for them. But I thank you for them now because I see what the purpose in them now is. The fifth thing here, and we're found in verse 46. Notice that the Lord withdrew his manifest presence, okay? Not his presence, but his manifest presence. Manifest presence is when you can see. They couldn't see Jesus, but Jesus could see them. That's right. His manifest presence from them for a brief season. I'll illustrate this manifest presence. Uh, uh, I use a, usually use the illustration of me and my wife when we were dating. Uh, when, we were first, when I took her out on her first date, uh, her dad wanted to know where we were going, and I let him know that you know, we were going to be going bowling. And we went there, and we were bowling oblivious to the surroundings. Of course, we were concentrating on one another. Amen? All of a sudden, I turned around. There's my future father-in-law sitting up in the audience there where you can watch folks bowl. <laughs> now, his presence was there, but I didn't... I didn't understand his manifest presence until I saw him. When I saw him, you think my attitude got a little bit different? I most certainly did. But that's the difference between presence and manifest presence. Amen. Now, uh, look at verse 46 again. When he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land, notice this, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Okay? He saw them from a distance. He saw them going through this. When the tempest arose, the disciples thought that the Lord Jesus was completely unaware of their plight. Well, they were going to learn something a little bit more about the Lord Jesus here. Amen? They, they had trouble understanding some of his, uh, some of the things about the Lord that we can easily see in the Word of God. I mean, there may have been some doubts in their mind about the Master's command, but I don't think so. So the Lord pressed us to come out here. You know, he 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 commanded us to come out here, but I don't think he would have done that if he knew what was going to go on. Well, he knew. They may not understand that he knew, but he knew. And there may have been some doubts about the master's knowledge there, but uh, I let me let me let you know that the Lord knew what they were going to be going through, and though they did not sense His presence, Jesus was completely aware of their plight. Okay, now I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you've gone through recently, or what you're going through tomorrow, but understand that the Lord knows exactly what you have gone through and what you're going to be going through, even before what you're going through even comes. How precious is it to realize that though we may not sense His presence, though the darkness has settled around us and the storms of trial are assailing us, yet His eye is fixed upon us. See, his eye was fixed upon his disciples. He could see. He knows our burdens. He understands and he cares. Now, sometimes Jesus allows our distress to linger for a time before he makes himself manifest to us. 
I'm going to say that again. Sometimes Jesus allows our distress to linger for a time before he makes himself manifest to us. Look at verse 47 and 48 again. It says, And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Notice this. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Um, Jesus, from what we read here, apparently saw his disciples about the even, what they call the evening watch. It says when evening had come. The evening watch would have been somewhere between 6 and 9 p.m. Okay? Get that, get that in your mind. But somewhere between 6 and 9 p.m. He saw them. And he saw them toiling in the rowing. But he did not come unto them until the fourth watch. That would have been some, sometime between 3 to 6 a.m. That's a long time. They say that that's the darkest time before the dawn. I don't know. I, I don't uh, make a habit of being up that time of the morning. Amen. But uh, think about the joy of knowing that though our distress may linger, it does not have to overwhelm us. Jesus always comes to our aid right on time. When Jesus came to them, they were so caught up with their plight that they, they didn't even recognize his presence. Look, look at verse, uh, verse 48. When he saw them toiling, toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh to do them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. That would have been something, wouldn't it? Him pass by them and greet them on the other shore. That would probably shook them up real bad too, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, look at verse 49, though. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed that it had been a spirit. They thought they were seeing a ghost. <laughs> and, they, and they cried out. So for, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, the word of Jesus, the words of Jesus, caused the immediate change in their perception of what was going on. Gave them peace. Notice that Jesus was com complete master over the elements that opposed them. I mean, he's walking on the water. Yeah. What was overwhelming them was under his feet. <laughs> he came unto them walking on the sea. And we need to understand he treads underfoot that which gives us trouble. He's got control of it. Amen. And then he entered the ship and the wind ceased. Look at verse number 51. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Jesus in the ship is what calms the contrary winds. Amen. If you're upset about something, maybe it's happening in your life right now, or something's happened recently, go to Jesus. Let Jesus' word speak to you. Let Jesus calm you within. Amen. If there's some contrary winds blowing in your life right now, you... Uh, need to search, first of all, search your own heart and life. Are you in the will of God? I'm not going to judge that for you. You've got to judge that for you. Only you and God know this for sure. 
And if not, if you're not in the will of God, then the contrary winds could be the Lord's chastisement to bring you back to His will. If you are in God's will, you're seeking God's will, and you're drawing yourself close to Him, and you're trying to do the Lord's will, and there's still contrary winds, take courage and commit your way to Him. He knows and He cares. Amen? His eyes pierce the darkness. He was seeing them even though it was dark and they couldn't see Him coming. Uh, He could see them. Trust in Him with all your heart to get you through this time. I'm going to have you turn one other place and we're going to dismiss. Okay, here, look at uh, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, then we'll have our, our invitation. 1 Peter 5. First Peter five, look at verse in the right place here. There we go. First Peter five, verse number six. It says here it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you or lift you up in due time. Okay? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about singing whom he may devour. Now, see, he's wanting to swallow you up or, or drink you down with this that may be happening in your life. But don't, don't fall for that. Don't let, don't let the devil get victory. Cast your care upon Jesus. He says there in verse 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a, a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. That make you perfect is to grow you, to mature you. Amen? The Lord may be using your trial to mature you in your faith, to help you become a, a better servant for Him. And He's the one that will... Use that in your life if you'll let Him. And He will establish and strengthen you and settle you in whatever is happening. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today for the great truth that whatever comes our way in this life, we know it comes filtered through You. And so, Lord, we know that uh, even the rough things in life that come our way, that there's something for us to, to, to learn. There's some purpose that you've allowed it to come our way. Just as Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for good. That mean that they are good, but they work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And Lord, help us to see that even though we may not be able to immediately see the good, we have to trust you that you are going to work that good out in our lives. Now, Lord, I don't know every trial. I know some, some folks are in here this morning that have been through some great trials recently and some that are going through some now. All of us are either uh, just coming out of a trial or we're in a trial or we're about to go into a trial. And we can put ourselves in one of those three things because in this world we're going to have tribulation. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And for that we thank you.
Lord, help us to lean upon you and to look for you. Lord, to, to, to use the trials that come our way in our life to help us be better servants for you. If there's one here today that doesn't know Christ, help them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus today. Have your way in this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please.